All right, folks, good morning. My name is Eden, and I'll be your host this morning. Um, we love to acknowledge that we here in Abbotsford meet on the traditional lands of the Semiamu, Stolo, and Kwatlin people. And we live in a most beautiful place, and we are grateful for this land. And welcome all. This is now three years since our world has turned upside down. Three years of disruption to what we knew as normal and now no longer is. Three years of Zoom gatherings when three years and one month ago, we could not have even conceived of the need for such a thing. Three years of making do, overcoming, recalibrating, cautiously hoping, regularly despairing, and persevering anyway. If you have managed to stay connected with us through these years, we are grateful for your companionship on this journey. If you have found us during these three years and have settled in with us, we appreciate your presence with us. And if you are cautious or a curious onlooker, uncertain of whether a faith gathering could ever be something you could be a part of again, I would encourage you to keep your caution as a gift of discernment. Uh, <clears throat> last Sunday, uh, for those of you who joined us at our live gathering, you will have heard us announce that Karina Lowen, our lay pastor, has resigned from her roles and is stepping away from our community. This is difficult news for all of us, but we want to graciously accept her process and her conclusions, and that this is the best way for her to care for herself. If you've had the privilege of having a conversation with Karina or have been in her home or have experienced her exuberant exaltations, you will know that she is a lovely and very kind person. We pray blessings and courage on Karina and Josh as they continue their journey. And if you joined us last week, you would also know that I was given four passages that all focus on confession. Believe me, the gravity of that was not missed. So this Sunday, I get to put boots to the ground and share a confession with you all. But first, uh, I need to mention that what I'm about to say may trigger some, especially if you are affected by talk of a sexual offender in relation to the church. And as a caveat to my and Sarah's apologies, I need you to know that I will mention the individual's name, but it will not be included in the recorded podcast or the video for our private Facebook group, which is really not just in-house or that private. Our apologies are about our process and allowing him to be part of our gathering. So as a kindness to his family who has already experienced an enormous amount of shame being heaped on them, we will not include his name in our recordings. We mentioned this for your clarity and understanding in our process. At our live gatherings in February, 
there was an individual who with my and Sarah's approval joined our worship team by playing an instrument, has completed a sentence after being found guilty of a sexual offense. He was invited to play by someone other than Sarah and me, but we were asked if that would be okay and we said yes. We gave our consent without the approval of the steering team choosing haste over process. At our next steering team meeting, we brought this up so that the team would know. Afterwards, the Lowens raised a grave concern about the process of this uh, decision. And in response, Sarah and I both wrote letters of apology to the team and included specific apologies to those most affected by our getting the process back to front and our haste in doing it. We are entirely accountable and responsible for overlooking the need to bring the request to the steering team before approving the request. As well, we have backtracked on our invitation to this individual having met with skilled and knowledgeable people who cautioned us to move slowly and have a robust process to work through before even considering this individual's participation in our community. He was not left on his own and was also with a trusted person to be clear. But nonetheless, our error in judgment is now apparent to you all. We understand that this can be unsettling and upsetting, especially if you have any history of abuse. And we wanna sincerely apologize for causing you distress by this disclosure and by our naive actions. And as this is being read for our Zoom gathering, we wanna let you know that this individual has not and is not ever part of our Zoom gatherings. Our sincere apologies for the harm we have caused and the impact this may have on you. Thank you. I'm gonna pass it over to Sarah now and uh, she's gonna lead us in a, a Lent focus. Um, before I get to that, um, this last couple of weeks has felt a bit wilderness-like for me, which is fitting for Lent, but not at all comfortable. Before I talk about today's colour for Lent, I want to add my apology to the one that Eden has just given in relation to our too hasty decision um, to let this person play in the band last month when we hadn't done the appropriate checks to consider the safety of our congregation. I am sorry for my part in that. I didn't listen to my gut that said hold and check, and that was my error. My desire to be inclusive overtook my requirement as a leader to be protective, and for that I am very sorry. We have backtracked, like Eden said, and removed permission that we gave. But because that person played in public, we felt like it was important that our apology was in public as well. I'm very sorry to everyone whom this has hurt, truly. I'm also sorry that I will not be here to say this again live next week. I'm away on holiday, but hopefully someone from our team will just read this apology for me. Bringing things to light is important. Appropriate processes and levels of accountability are important because leading a church is really complicated um, and we really want to do it well. 
So please, if you see something we're missing, would you please tell us? But would you please tell us gently and perhaps wait until Monday because Sundays are a deal on their own. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's all I've got on that. I'm I'm sorry for how we got that wrong. And hopefully we can try and make it right. So transition to the color for today, which is yellow and the concept, which is light, which, you know, given the bringing to light thing we've just done kind of fits too. Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. So what does that mean exactly? Well, light isn't only something we see. It's also something that makes it possible to see everything else. Light makes the world visible, beautiful, colorful and delightful. And so does Jesus, who is the light. In other words, Jesus is saying that by learning more from him and being in relationship with him, we can see the world more clearly in all its colors, beauties and challenges. And this also means that Jesus is everywhere, just as light is everywhere, even and especially as we journey through the wilderness. Jesus is in our hearts and in our neighborhoods, as distant as the furthest star and as near as our own breath. This week's color is yellow. I like this painting right here. Um, it's the color of daffodils and lamplight. It's the color of lemons and the afternoon sun. So just as we think about it today, just think, where are the bright yellows in your life? Where are the yellows that are beautiful? Where do you long for them? Where is the light of the world most needed right now? And then Jesus says that we are the light of the world. So what do people see when they look at us? Let's pray. God of light and life, help us to see. Open our eyes to see your decor of beauty and the patterns of grace in creation. Send us out into shadows so we can shine our light for the love of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And Mark and Leah, over to you. Okay, so we're about to do communion. I'm going to give you some time to gather your elements um, around you as we do communion. But um, a lot of us have had contact with communion in various uh, places, some, some not at all until here at the bridge, and some in different churches and backgrounds and all kinds of things. So I thought it'd be interesting to look at the variety of communion that is actually out there. Just read a little, little blurb about uh, what's out there for communion. The Roman Catholic Church uh, believe that the bread and wine are transformed into the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. The Orthodox Church also calls for fasting before communion, making the partaker, in quotes, hungry for God. Interesting. More liturgical Protestant churches like Anglican, Episcopalian, Lutheran congregations tend to receive communion from church leaders, perhaps kneeling at some kind of an altar. Non-denominational churches make available the elements allowing those attending to approach tables themselves for elements or pass them around or even find our own elements at home in a Zoom service like ours today. This approach stems from a greater focus on an individual's direct interaction with God within community. But a common thread in all of these traditions is a focus of communion as a powerful way to remember Christ's sacrifice and experience that love and affirmation as God's children and to celebrate that relationship, all of us affirmed by Christ. So let's begin. 
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. All who come to me shall not hunger, and all who believe in me shall not thirst. We gather around these symbols of bread and wine, elements of both nourishment and transformation. Let us pray. Loving God, you are as close to us as our breath. Your love is constant and unfailing. Thank you. We remember on the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it and remember me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In the symbol of the cup, we participate in the new life Christ brings. Let us pray. We give thanks, loving God, that you have refreshed us at your table and our faith. Increase our love for one another. May we all go out into the world to plant seeds of transformation, affirmation, and hope. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Mark, could you please pray for Sarah? Yes. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity once again to just to gather around and, and uh, you and, and listen to your word and, and the things that uh, are encouraging to us. We would just pray for Sarah today as she walks along beside us. Um, for the message of, of nurture and love and affirmation that she brings to us today. Thank you for who she is, um, um, all the, the walk uh, she is taking along with us is a part of who we are, this journey of life that you give us, Lord, in your grace and love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Oh, I need to remove your spotlight. You have to sit and look at me the whole time. Um, I apologize for this. Apparently there are mast cells all over your body. And what mine do under stress is they go, make her red, make her red, like alarm. So uh, I apologize for my mast cells. They don't know how to control themselves. They're a bit, I don't know, bonkers that way. Um, okay, it's been a lot already this morning. So before I get going, I would like to use the first verse of this passage that we have for today as a breath prayer to help draw us back together, even virtually, um, as we are here this morning. So let me share. These slides. Um, so the, the blue, we're going to say on the in-breath green on the outbreath. So the whole verse is by this we know that we abide in God and God in us because God has given us God's own spirit. We've talked about some heavy things this morning. So let's do just a little bit of centering ourselves in the here and now. If you are comfortable to do so and it's safe enough to do so, obviously if you're listening to this while you're driving this does not apply to you, it might be good to close your eyes right now. Let's ground ourselves, literally. If you can, 
put your feet flat on the floor. If you're wearing shoes, you might even want to remove them. Feel the floor beneath you. It is solid. It may be hard, like wood or tile. It may be soft, like carpet. But either way, it is predictable. It is here. You are here. Feel the weight of your body on the seat that you're in. Feel the points where you're making contact with it. The surface may be hard or it may be soft. Either way, it is predictable. It is here and you are here. And now that we've remembered that we're here, let's just breathe in your own time. Breathe in deeply and just say silently or aloud, we abide in God. And then as you breathe out, say, and God in us. Just repeat that three times in your own time. We abide in God and God in us. And then just let your breathing go back to normal. Make yourself comfortable. And if that's all that you get from today, that's great. But I want to see if there's anything else we can grab from this passage. We're going to read one of the passages from the lectionary selection given to us by Wilda Gaffney in the lectionary uh, for the whole church, the women's lectionary for the whole church. And I want to read it and have us listen for what shimmers, see what jumps out at it for you. It could be a word or it could be a phrase or a whole verse even. I'll put it on the screen and I will do my best to read it slowly. I'm not very good at that, but I'll try. So this is uh, Wilder Gaffney's version of 1 John 4, 13 to 21. By this we know. Hold on. There we go. By this we know that we abide in God and God in us. Because God has given us God's own spirit. And we have seen and so testify that the father has sent the son of God as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in order that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as God is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Rather, per perfect love casts out fear. For fear relates to punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because God first loved us. If someone says, I love God, 
but hates their sister or brother, they are a liar. For those who do not love a sister or brother whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from God is this. Those who love God must love their sisters and brothers also. So I'm curious, did anything jump out at you? If so, you might just want to drop that word in the chat or that phrase or. And while you're thinking about that and dropping things in, I'm going to read it again. By this, we know that we abide in God and God in us because God has given us God's own spirit. And we have seen and so testify that the father has sent the son of God as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in order that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as God is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Rather, perfect love casts out fear. For fear relates to punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because God first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates their sister or brother, they are a liar. For those who do not love a sister or brother whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from God is this. Those who love God must love their sisters and brothers also. So there's a few things in the chat. There is no fear in love and much curiosity around love has been perfected among us. And we have believed the love that God has for us. Yeah, keep dropping those in. And I'm going to tell you, there are a million different things we could pull out of this passage. I'm sure you picked up different things to me. I'm sure different things were like, ooh, to you. Because we all bring ourselves to anything that we read. And that's true of the Bible too. Our personal history, our culture, our contextual lenses enable us to see and understand things differently. There isn't one true or flat reading of this or any other passage of the Bible. So these are my lenses that I'll let you look through today. My eyesight is such that if I actually let you look through my glasses, it would feel very disorienting. And my reading of this may feel disorienting to you too. And that's okay, because we all see things differently. So let me just talk about what shimmered for me as I read and then reread it and reread it and reread it. And we can see and talk about what you saw later. So the shimmery bits for me were if someone says, I love God and hates their sister or brother, they are a liar. For those who do not love a sister or brother whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Boom. Also. Love has been perfected among us. That one was curious to me too. I was like, I'm sorry, what? How does what? And there is no fear in love. Rather, perfect love casts out fear. I want to think about each bit that jumped out to me. 
and we'll see how far we get. Um, so first verse 20, which is the, if someone says, I love God and hates their sister or brother, they are a liar. For those who do not love a sister or brother whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Strong words from John there, hate and liar, right? We, we, we go, oh, that's a strong word. Really? Hate? Really? Liar? But let's have a look at that. I cannot think of a way to love God without demonstrating that love in some way towards someone or something that God loves. Just try and think. I like You can say, I love God, but if you're not demonstrating it in some way to something or someone, then is it really loving God or is it just words? The strap line for the Bridge Church is loving God by loving what God loves. We started out with loving God, loving people. Because that, but I, I was just like, that's not big enough. Like that leaves out a whole load of creation and the environment that is vital to us and the creation that deserves our love and care. When we say loving God by loving what God loves, we kind of expand that out to include people, but not just be people. Because if we're doing loving God, loving people, we can cut down a tree without even thinking about it. But if we're loving what God loves, then perhaps that expands that thing further. So loving God by loving what God loves is where we landed. The text um, seems to say in a backwards kind of a way that we love God by loving our sisters and brothers. Right. If we if it's saying anybody who says I love God but doesn't is a liar, then if we're telling the truth, then we are loving them and then we're loving God. So that seems to be the kind of is it negative? language anyway he does it backwards and but what if you if you turn it around and say it forwards then we love god by loving our sisters and brothers so who are they jesus has some fun things to say about that when his actual mother and brothers come to talk to him he seemingly dismisses them by saying well who are my mother and my brothers and looking at the people around him he says these are my mother and my brothers these people who do the will of god um, he in the in the Good Samaritan story, he lays out another way to look at who a brother is. And then there's the whole love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you thing. Jesus has some fun things to say about who our siblings are and how we love them. So who are your siblings? Is it the people in the room with you right now? Sure. Is it your biological family? Is it your neighbor? Is it your annoying neighbor who sits on the back deck smoking weed? Is it uh, the person who gives you the most grief? Is it your annoying coworker? Is it the drag queen? Is it the so-called Christian person hating on the drag queen? Is it the person on the street? Is it the billionaire? Yes, to all of the above and more. Given Jesus's broad dealings with people, it appears that all of them are our siblings, every single one. And that is not very comfortable, if we're honest. Um, this week was Pi Day, uh, 3.14 Pi, so about the math thing. Um, however, it's also the United Church of Canada's day. Uh, they were the instigators of a thing called Pi Day in relation to the faith of the LGBTQIA2S people and their inclusion within the church. This is the day that they mark their intent to be public, which is the P, intentional, which is the I, and explicit, which is the E. 
It's their annual reminder of their affirmation of this beautifully diverse community of people. It's a good day to say it out loud again. And so I posted on Tuesday about Pi Day and that post got a bunch more likes than usual. So it obviously resonated with many other people too. The bridge is an inclusive and affirming church. I don't want to say that like we've arrived because we are always learning, but I do want to say that being affirming, it feels to me, I feel like I had a picture this week of it, like hammering a crampon into the side of a mountain. You know, those things you just like the metal thing that you, you attach your, yeah, carabiner to. I've never climbed a mountain. I don't know, but I've heard um, that you clip your thing in. And then, so our saying we are affirming is like hammering that crampon into the mountain. And then, We'll keep climbing and we'll keep trying. But even if we fall back, we will remain anchored to this point. We will come back to this point and then climb again. To quote our website statement of affirmation, being inclusive means we overtly welcome the LGBTQ plus community. We believe in and celebrate the belovedness of those who identify as queer. This belonging includes blessing their marriages, supporting their families and affording them the same freedoms to participate in all of church life as everyone enjoys. Being affirming means we believe their experience, perspectives and influence as queer people are needed and welcomed here because Jesus has welcomed all of us to God's table. We love our creator and by loving what our creator loves, which includes the earth and all of her wonderful and diverse creation, which of course includes the, the queer community because duh, like John said, if someone says I love God and hates, excludes, discriminates against, abuses their sister or brother, they are a liar. For those who do not love a sister or brother or sibling whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. In this community, saying this is a bit like preaching to the choir, because you guys are, most of you are here because we are affirming, like that's the reason that you've joined us. Um, preaching to the choir is a really funny expression. I, uh, I can't quote the person because I can't remember who said it, but um, I read that they said that it wasn't so much preaching the choir, preaching to the choir, but teaching the choir to sing. And I want to take it another little bit further and say, I don't think it's actually about teaching to the choir so much, not about teaching the choir to sing so much as about teaching the choir to listen. As we learn to listen to each other and sing our own notes, then the harmony happens. Sunday mornings and small groups where we gather are for choir practice where we learn to listen to each other, where we learn to trust our own voice, go for our own notes boldly, and then bravely add them to the mix so that we might make beautiful music together. And if any group is missing from that choir, then the sound is out of balance and lacking range and depth and beauty. When I was at school, I sang in this um, small group madrigal thing. I don't know what madrigal meant. Still don't got a clue, but anyway, it was a small group of people, we sang stuff. Um, and I was also in the bigger school choir, but I went to an all girls school. So there was a limit to our repertoire because we lacked the lower notes because our population, we, uh, we were pretty light on tenors and basses. As an alto with a fairly big range, I occasionally got to sing a tenor line when the tune really needed it. But for the most part, we were a bunch of sopranos and altos and that was that. We lacked the depth to be able to sing certain songs. We could do some things well, but not others. And the thing is, we need everyone. I cannot be a choir on my own. With clever recording, I could sing many parts. I could record them one on top of the other, but I could never perform that live. We can't do it on our own. 
we all need each other. We sound better together. There are musicians who play every instrument and layer them up and put out whole albums with only themselves playing, but they are never going to be able to tour without actually employing another musician to come and help them. We need more than one voice. We need more than one player. For me, uh, becoming affirming publicly, intentionally and explicitly as a church was first about love and second about taking a stand against the harm that's been done and continues to be done by those who say they love God. For me, it was a it was our kind of enough already. Let's stop that right here moment. And I think that John is saying that if we hate, exclude, discriminate against a brother or sister or a sibling, we are missing something vital from the whole and our love is not complete. And our love for God is not complete because we are missing someone. But who else is missing? Who are on the margins? Where are the margins? Who is out there on them? How can we make enough space for them to come in or how can we go out? And actually come to think of it, I'm not sure that direction or in and out is actually very helpful. Because like John said in verse 16, we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. And that is an all encompassing love. There is like this very, very large circle of love that we are all inside anywhere. But I wore my all in love t-shirt today. because it felt, it felt right. Um, God is a very large circle of love. If you were the kids right now, I would have you like this. Like this pic? No, this pic? I, you know, we would be thinking about the, the vast expanse of space, the biggest thing you could think of. And I would have you exploring ideas of how just massive it is and that God's love is bigger than that. Do you need to do that? Do you want, do you want a moment? No. Okay, go on. You're fine. Um, but I hope you get it. We have known and have believed that love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. God is love. We are all in love. There is not a single place outside of God's love. Nowhere. Because love has been perfected in us. That was another phrase from this passage that had me go, hmm, what? Love has been perfected in us. Uh, love has been perfected among us is how Gaffney writes it. The message says love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us. The NIV, uh, the NIRV says, suppose love is fulfilled among us. That phrase jumped out at me. It was, it was that word perfected. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's very perfected. We feel far from a people who have this love thing figured out. But then I wondered something. What if this isn't actually about us? Maybe if it's not about us being perfect. Maybe if it's about Jesus. What if it's about Jesus being the perfect love among us? If love has a capital L and is spelt J-E-S-U-S, then he is the perfect one among us. Could this be Emmanuel, God with us? Could this be Jesus? What if Jesus among us is perfect love? Does that mean then that the message says Jesus has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us? Does it mean that the NIRV then says, suppose Jesus is the promise fulfilled among us? I can lean into that. Jesus is love perfected among us. Keeping Jesus in the center is the important thing. And even if we lose sense of where the center is, because of that massive circle of love, 
it doesn't really matter because we're in it anyway. And then the last bit that jumped out to me was that there is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear. The message says uh, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. I want to live so deep in love that there is no room for fear. The message makes it pretty clear that fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is not a full life of love. And I don't want to live like that because life is just too darn short to be crippled by fear. I remember seeing camels in the desert that were hobbled, their front legs, bless them, like tied together so that they couldn't run. So they could like they could walk a little, but they couldn't like they couldn't run because they were tied. And I don't think it was the camels that were afraid. I think the camels were probably pissed off, but the um, it was the herders who were afraid. They were afraid of losing them. Fear of losing the camels made the herders restrict them. So I wonder if fear hobbles us like that, if fear like holds us back. Does fear have you hobbled like that? Have you hobbled yourself? Or has someone else put their fear on you? Does fear have you restricted and limited, crippled even? The antidote to all of that seems to me to lean into love. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love drives away fear. Because of my chronic illness, which uh, has a large element of any produ energy production dysfunction, I must ration my life. I have to use smaller blocks of time, smaller blocks of energy than the average person gets in a, in a day. And to live that already rationed life crippled by fear would be dumb. So I have to lean into love. I want God to work their perfect love in me. I have learned and am learning to, le to lean into love every single day. I used to be afraid of dying. There have been nights when I've laid down feeling so ill that I'm actually surprised to wake up the next day. And that used to make me scared, but it doesn't anymore because I am fully in love and death won't change that. I don't want it to happen anytime soon because I have things to do, but I am not afraid of it. So let me try and sum up what I've said. Love is a great, big, perfect circle, and we call him Jesus. Jesus encourages us to love everyone, all our siblings, even the ones who say and do things that we think are stupid. And this is how we actually love God, by loving what and who they love. So lean into love and do not be afraid. You want to hear my summary one more time? Love is a great, big, perfect circle, and we call him Jesus. Jesus encourages us to love everyone, all our siblings, even the ones who say and do things that we think are stupid. And this is how we actually love God, by loving what and who they love. So lean into that love and do not be afraid. Before I stop, I want to share a version of the doxology with you. 
The one with words goes like this. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. But there's a sung version that I love, and I got it from a place called Abbey of the Arts. Um, and in this version, uh, the word Father is maker, Jesus is lover, and Holy Spirit is keeper. And it goes, oh gosh, I nearly pressed end. Uh, it nearly goes like this. So it goes, <clears throat> glory to the maker, lover, and keeper, as a go in this breath and will be ever. Amen. Amen. And with actions, because, you know, you can't really do the song without them. It says, glory to the maker, lover, and keeper. As a go in this breath and will be ever. Amen. 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 I want to leave you guys with a blessing this morning. May the grace of our Heavenly Father, the camaraderie and presence of Jesus, and the sweet mercy of Holy Spirit abide with us all. Amen. Amen. And we have uh, next Sunday is a live service. So if you are in the area, we would love to have you join us. If you're not in the area, we always have Zoom as well. And you're welcome to join us via Zoom.